African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the rights to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, today we're looking at a very interesting story, one that reasserts uh, a story that's not new, the fact that uh, Mauritius seems to be a tax haven. But what actually this particular uh, document, which is titled Mauritius Leaks, looks at, it looks at a whistleblower who leaked 200,000 documents uh, to the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, revealing how some companies avoid paying tax in some of the world's uh, poorest countries, including African countries. Now, poor African countries are harmed by a loss of revenues by major companies which find ways to pay less taxes than they should. Uh, this is according to Mauritius Leaks, which is a new investigation by the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, as I've asserted, which also found that Mauritius has transformed itself into this tax haven at the cost of its African neighbors and less developed countries. The leaks also exposes cases including rock stars and celebrity Bob Geldof for using his African fund to avoid uh, taxes. It also reveals firms like uh, Contest Dill and Pierman uh, for divesting uh, tax revenues from poor countries back to the bank accounts of big corporations uh, from the West. Well, to help us on this, we're right now joined by Will Fitzgibbon, who is uh, one of the journalists who wrote this particular story from the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. We also will get Oxfam Pan-Africa Program Director Peter Kamalingen. But let's start with you, Will. Thank you for giving us your time. Hi, it's good to be here. Well, tell us a little bit about the significance of the leaks. I'm not seeing a lot that is happening in terms of uh, uh, the mainstream media. Not a lot of people are talking about this story. Um, the biggest uh, online network that has touched upon it is uh, courts.com. Uh, tell us a little bit about why the story of Mauritius being a tax haven is usually avoided by mainstream media. It's very bizarre. Well, I think one of the things that struck me about reporting on Mauritius leaks globally, which is something that's now taken me and other journalists a good four or five months, is how few people knew where to find Mauritius on a map. And I think that speaks volumes about the issue. Uh, Mauritius is a country that for decades now has built a reputation and built an industry based on providing discrete offshore services to some of the world's richest companies and most profitable companies and individuals. And I don't think it's surprising that when you've got an offshore tax haven like this, that um, these are complicated issues that we're dealing with. And when you've got a combination of a small country that many people have never heard of and complicated, often very dry tax issues, uh, I've worked in investigative journalism long enough to know that that's not something that everyone wants to read about over their morning breakfast cereal. But the importance of the issue is without question. I've spoken to dozens of tax officials from a good 10 or 12 African countries who all tell me 
Mauritius and what Mauritius has been doing to our countries in terms of leaching tax revenue is a big problem. Mm. Let's look at uh, the key findings of these Mauritius leaks. Uh, tell us a little bit about what stood out for you, especially when it comes to Mauritius uh, continuing to be this uh, uh, tax haven and how also it impacts neighboring countries, especially on the African continent, Will. Well, I think what really stood out to me in Mauritius leaks is just how obvious and deliberate Mauritius has been as a jurisdiction and how it is used by countries to avoid taxes. Mauritius Leaks, as you said, is based on 200,000 documents. So I've spent the past few months reading emails and reading other leaked material in which it's very clear that companies use Mauritius that have no intention of ever really having any real operations in Mauritius and setting up what we call shell companies. That is companies with no employees, with no real activity, only really an address on the island, what we call a brass plate company, to avoid paying taxes or to reduce paying taxes. And when you see a businessman who's made millions or billions of dollars in their lifetime, or when you see a company based in Europe that reports billions of dollars of profits every year, writing emails to lawyers in Mauritius saying, hey there, How can we create something on this small little island nation so that we pay less tax to Mozambique, to Lesotho, to Senegal, to Egypt, to Thailand? Then you really start asking yourself, is this how the global system should work? Should someone, just because they have a few million dollars in the bank account, be able to get this tax advice that helps them play by different rules than you and I? And let's talk about the companies that are implicated, Will, because that's a very interesting element in in terms of this regard. I mean, you guys have uh, looked at um, uh, pop stars to um, firms, huge international firms that are involved in this kind of thing. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about the the, the companies that uh, are implicated in this. Well, it's a range of companies and individuals, really. And the one of the strengths of a project like Mauritius Leaks and the model of the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists is that journalists from 18 countries have worked on this project and they all report on different angles of their own stories. So in Uganda, for example, you have one of Uganda's wealthiest businessmen who owns companies from hotels to the energy sector who was involved in an investment from external investors who used Mauritius to provide a personal loan, for example. You have an American company that leases aircraft who chose Mauritius to lease airplanes to South African Airways. That's an interesting case, not because South Mm -hmm. African Airways was involved in the Mauritius scheme at all. In that case, South African Airways was the recipient of the services. It was the American company where the question is, If you want to lease an airplane to South African Airways and you're based in America, can't you just do that from America to South Africa rather than setting up a company in just that has no employees but that acts somehow as a conduit for millions of dollars each year? Another case study that really interested me was one about hotels, a luxury hotel that has spas and hotels around the world that once again used Mauritius, once again with no employees, to receive millions of dollars each year in service fees. And you have to wonder, 
why does money need to pass through this island of 1.2 million people? Okay, we'll come back to some of those cases, and I think we're still struggling getting hold of the Oxfam Pan-Africa director. Um, That's Peter Kamalingen. I'm going to see if we can still get him after the break. But I'd like to look at those implications because we know that uh, uh, there could be an argument by Mauritius that uh, this is a legal framework because they've signed a double tax avoidance agreement with 46 states worldwide. We know that this has been documented by the UN organizations such as Oxfam. Why did you as a consortium think that this was a story to go ahead with? But we'll look at that after our break. I am an African. I owe my being to the hills and the valleys, the mountains and the glades, the rivers, the deserts, the trees, the flowers, the seas, and the ever-changing seasons that define the face of our native land. Masterclass Africa, where great minds connect. An explorative one-on-one talk show that seeks to tackle issues of leadership and consciousness on the African continent and around the world. Masterclass comes to you every Fridays, 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock Central African Time. Channel Africa, bringing you the African Perspective. Well, thank you for joining us. This is African Dialogue, where from Monday to Friday we contextualize the big issues on the African continent. With me, Benjamin Mushatama, and uh, today we're looking at uh, this uh, uh, Mauritius Leaks, which is a new investigation by the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, and also looking at this uh, topic that has been long going, whereby there have been multiple reports around how Mauritius has become a tax haven. And, uh, well, I don't know if you can hear me now. Yeah, it's an important issue to address. In Mauritius Leaks, there are no allegations by the journalists that the activity we're reporting on is illegal as it currently stands. I think it's important, though, at least according to what experts tell me, to make two distinctions. One is that tax avoidance is legal only until governments decide that it is illegal. That is... A company has the right to try to avoid taxes within laws until SARS in South Africa or the Tanzanian Revenue Authority, for example, turn around and say, hang on a minute, that's not what the law intended. We don't think that's legal and we're going to make you pay taxes back to us. And that's not a job that journalists do. We're not police officers. We're not enforcement. So it's not our job to determine what is legal or illegal. The second important point to make is When it comes to tax avoidance, as Barack Obama once said, the scandal here is not what's illegal, it's that so much of this is legal, especially when you're talking about double taxation agreements like you were just talking about. Sure, those are agreements signed by governments, but I've spoken to tax treaty negotiators and inspectors in South Africa, in Uganda, in Nigeria, in Egypt, in Uganda, in other countries, and they've told me, This was such a bad move. We should never have signed these treaties. They gave away so many potential taxes to our countries. 
And they often say one of the reasons we did it was because we came under political pressure. Remember that there's often a really big tension between the finance department or the tax office and maybe the interests of the office of the president or the office of the prime minister who might have other reasons or priorities to sign a double tax agreement. So just because you see a DTA having been signed by two countries, in my experience, does not mean that both of those countries are best friends and are somehow skipping down the road, holding each other's hand into some joyful bliss. Mm. I'm told now that we finally got the opportunity to go through to Nairobi, Kenya, where we have uh, Peter Kamalengin was waiting uh, to connect with us. He's the Oxfam Pan-Africa Program Director. Uh, Peter, I don't know if you hear us clearly from your side, but let me carry on with you, um, Peter, in terms of looking at this particular issue, because it's an issue that is not new, as Oxfam in around 2016 already highlighted that Mauritius is the world's worst uh, tax haven and uh, in terms of the 2018 financial secrecy index i gave it 72.3 of a score of 100 for enabling questionable tax avoidment avoidance maneuvers Uh, what is the cost for african countries in this particular viewpoint because when it comes to investment and trade i know that a lot of international companies use mauritius as that corridor yeah, thanks. I think um, I think it's now an acknowledged fact, and as you say, thanks for, for this. As you say, the costs, at least from what we know, I mean, from the last uh, the report of the high-level panel on illicit financial flows, from us, it estimated the, the cost, the losses to Africa to about $50 billion, uh, and one can imagine what that can do uh, if it was made available uh, or, and directed, for example, to health and, and education for Africans, young people. I think that the, the, the cost is unimaginable. It, it strips, it outstrips the, the cost of the aid that comes into the country. So it is a, a serious existential uh, issue for, for, for African countries. And I think as uh, the gentleman from, uh, I, I forget the name, uh, who is the name yeah, of It's the, Will Fitzgibbon from uh, the Consortium of Journalists, yeah, Investigative yeah, Journalists. Thanks. Uh, as, as, as Wilfred was saying, uh, uh, this is this may be legal, but it is by no means legitimate. It is not uh, right. Uh, it's not it's legal, but it is illegitimate. It is not moral. Uh, and I think uh, the real um, remit for African countries is, is a political one. I think uh, the the African countries, the governments have a lot of leverage to take political action, unilateral action. Even as we continue to ask that we need global action for global tax rules that. Uh, that are fair uh, to, to, to countries, and, and it's good that at the moment the OECD countries uh, through the G20 framework are negotiating. So this is a good moment for them uh, to do that. But even ahead of the global agreements, uh, tax rules that are fair, I think there's a lot of scope, there's a lot of remit for African countries to take unilateral political action uh, in the interest of their countries. They should not, they should not give away their tax rights uh, at any rate. Um, mm. the, the, there's a lot of space for that. The problem, though, is that the corporates who are the tax dodgers are in many cases in bed with the political elite, the political leadership. So it is not actually a partnership with African countries. It's more a fusion of the corporate and, and the state and the state leadership, the political leadership. That's where the danger is. That's where the, the African citizen uh, continues to lose. And until we unmask that, which is why it's important that these, these issues are brought into the public domain so that as people understand it, then at least we can create a critical mass for African citizens to say, look, we are losing out. 
and uh, we need to take action. It is up to the African citizens in their different contexts and constituencies to take action. Mm. And in terms of that particular fact, the fact that there have been uh, some uh, African countries, uh, Peter, as uh, Will agreed to, that have signed this uh, double tax avoidance agreement that are now kind of sorry that they did, um, it seems like we have implicated ourselves in uh, this uh, an allowance of uh, tax avoidance. Yes, that is true, but there is a chance to actually revise those. There are already countries that have done that. For example, Rwanda, they have renegotiated their treaty with the Mauritius in 2013 uh, that restores withholding tax rates from 0 to 10%. Senegal has recently announced that it is cancelling its treaty with Mauritius. Malawi and Zambia have recently uh, concluded very successfully new tax treaties with the Netherlands in 2015, replacing the existing ones that had enabled aggressive tax avoidance. So there's a possibility. Uganda, as I understood, was also renegotiating their double taxation agreement with the, with the Netherlands. Uh, and and that, is, that is interesting because, for example, on their extractives, Total um, is, uh, is, uh, is, uh, is, an, is an important investor on the new oil uh, uh, sector in Uganda. Mm. And uh, the, the entity that is registered in Uganda, for example, is through the, the, the Dutch. And we all know that, of course, Total is a, is a French company. And the reason they do that is in order to legally in courts legally uh, avoid the taxes but this is denying directly the country a lot of a lot of revenue when they do not have any economic activity in the netherlands so we have even asked in some cases that uganda may choose to apply to invoke the sovereign rights to apply an economic activity test on 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 total to see whether that is uh, that is uh, actually uh, you know uh, can be backed by any evidence that there's an activity and on that basis they can actually you know cancel uh, these treaties it is possible very interesting thoughts they're coming from our guests there. I want to come back to them in terms of um, the implications of this. I was reading that the research from the UN World Investment Report demonstrated that losses to lower income countries from allowing investment through conduit dominions with tax treaties such as Mauritius runs up to $100 billion a year. So those are huge losses for um, the uh, continent and uh, uh, that could also be related to kind of of illicit financial flows and we know that Africa has been speaking around that for a long time. So we'll speak to that after this break. Hello. To celebrate African women's achievements, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy, listen to Humanity, Women in Unity an advocacy radio program against all forms of gender-based discrimination and violence against women. Humanity, Women in Unity, on Channel Africa every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Humanity, Women in Unity, with Dr. Amalea Gonez-Malka, every Thursday at 5 past 10 Central African Time and every Sunday morning at 5 past 6 Central African Time. Channel Africa, celebrating African women's achievements. The voice of the African Renaissance, from an African perspective. 
Well, a trove of around 200,000 leaked documents belonging to offshore uh, law firm Conyers, Dill and Pierman got into the hands of uh, the International Consortium of Investigative uh, Journalists and uh, uh, they've been looking at uh, this particular uh, leak and they titled it Mauritius Leaks, which is an investigation now that is online. You can go uh, check it out. I know sometimes these issues are ones that we run away from, but they have huge impacts on uh, the the African continent. And so you can go to the ICIJ website, that's www.icij.org, and check out this uh, comprehensive investigation by uh, the journalists at the consortium and also looking at the impact of um, uh, these particular um, leaks whereby they expose how Mauritius has been a tax haven as I've been highlighting multiple times this particular hour. But uh, coming back to you, uh, Peter, before I go back to Will in terms of the implications of these uh, uh, tax evasions, what are they on a practical level for African countries? Um, The implications are so obvious because uh, these losses have been quantified and and that is just a very, you know, very, very conservative estimate, the losses. If they tell you $50 billion every year is lost, to this, uh, you know, shifted away from the continent. But it's a lot of money if you if you convert it, if you merge it against the national budget of a number of countries. It could, it's, it's just unimaginable. Um, as I said, it is it far outstrips the aid that comes into the country, and uh, so it's 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 wasting away the futures of 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 of, of the African people, these young people who are growing. Uh, it is denying governments the possibility to invest in human resources. To invest in, 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 in human, you know, in human resources uh, that are needed to transform uh, this, this continent, the implications are unimaginable. Uh, for me, I think uh, it is probably the most urgent humanitarian crisis uh, that is confronting the continent at the moment, uh, because uh, it's resulting into deaths and many denials of rights, of, 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 of happiness, of, of, of possibilities of a good future. Um, so it, it is an existential issue. It must be the most urgent thing for any political leader in, in the African continent today. And, uh, mm-hmm. yes. All right, let me cut back to Will. I, I, I can't put it any differently. Sure. Well, what are your thoughts in terms of the implications of um, the situation that, that we're seeing, especially uh, from the, the Mauritius context uh, in terms of your investigation? Well, I'd first of all say that what we're seeing with Mauritius leaks is really just the tip of the iceberg. 200,000 documents sounds like a lot, but let me tell you, that's nothing compared to what really would be happening on that island. This is from one law firm, only really for 10 years of activity, and we know from prior experiences with the Panama Papers and the Paradise Papers, other investigations your listeners might have heard of, that really lots of these law law firms are often dealing with millions of files every year, with millions of requests and email traffic by corporations asking for exactly the same kind of thing. That is, how can we pay less in tax to countries in Africa? So the potential losses are huge. Um, One of the other things that struck me really in talking to tax experts around the world and tax officials in certain government countries is it's very hard to quantify this information. I asked tax inspectors in Senegal, in Lesotho, in Congo-Brazzaville, I asked them, do you know how much money you're losing every year 
under these tax treaties with Mauritius? And very often the answer was no, but we know it's a hell of a lot. And that I think speaks to the complicated nature of this. Um, it's hard to put an exact figure on it, but everyone who's in the sector, everyone who sees what's happening day to day, who sees these multinational companies uh, exploiting loopholes, knows that there's an urgent problem that needs to be addressed. And I think more and more countries now, as Peter was saying before, are realizing that and they're trying to use the international system to plug some of these holes. So how do we continue to reverse this? Uh, let me come back to you, Peter, for that final uh, question. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, there are basically two things. There's one at the global level, and uh, as I said earlier, I think uh, the remit for what the, um, the sovereign states can do. At the global level, we have said, one, we need to agree on a global tax rules in the negotiations. That, uh, that, that is urgent, and I think the OECD process through the G20 framework to ensure... Uh, a fair taxation of big corporations, I think, needs to be followed up. The second thing is that developing countries, uh, many of them in Africa, of course, should not give away their tax rights. Um, they lose a lot, and they have what what it takes for them uh, to to reverse that. The, the second, the third thing is uh, they should end corporate tax secrecy by ensuring that all multinational companies publish uh, financial reports for every country where they operate. Uh, I think if you have that, then that becomes a compulsion. Because the current OEC initiative uh, on country-by-country country reporting falls well short of, of, of that mark, and I think that needs to be reinforced. The fourth thing is that uh, uh, I think they sh we, the, the global framework should agree on a global blacklist of tax havens based on a comprehensive objectives criteria uh, and that takes strong countermeasures, including uh, sanctions to, lim to limit their use. Because as you know, governments have yet to agree on, on an objective list of tax havens and uh, there's always a controversy, and there's need for some aggregated agreement on that. The fifth thing is uh, to create a global tax body where all these countries can work together on all on an equal footing to ensure that uh, the tax systems work for everyone, because at the moment it doesn't. And uh, as I said at the beginning again, it is up to every country, every political elite, every citizen of his country to push for uh, this, the, the, the country to take unilateral action. And I think, as Winfrey was saying, there's also need for countries particularly in Africa, to invest in the capacity to understand these complicated tax regimes and, and the tactics, these corporates, which have a lot of capacity. Sometimes the annual turnover is more than some of the countries we are talking about. They need to invest in capacity to understand these issues and, uh, and find ways through which they can, of course, enforce their own national interest. But at the bottom line is a separation between the corporate and the, and, the, and the political leadership of these countries is critical because uh, mm -hmm. that makes it very difficult even for, uh, you know, well-intentioned uh, tax negotiators uh, to, 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 to wobble through because, as Whitfield was saying, they often come under a lot of pressure because of uh, individual interests, individual interests of the political elite uh, in the countries. Okay, we've that got is, a... I think that's important. So we've got a minute left. Your final sentiments, Will? If there's anything that I've learned from years of reporting on these offshore leak scandals is that there are always new challenges and there are always new leaks. So I don't think we've seen the end of this. There are lots of reporters out there who are committed to exploring abuses of the offshore system more and Mauritius is just the latest example. We've had Panama, we've had Luxembourg, we've had the British Virgin Islands and now we've had Mauritius. 
my sense is there are lots of good people out there in government, in academia, in civil society who are aware of the issues and fighting the issues. Unfortunately, I'm also just as equally aware that the world of tax havens is a little bit like whack-a-mole. As soon as you hit one on the head, there'll be another place that'll pop up soon. And people with lots of money, companies that make lots of money, are always going to be looking for ways to avoid paying taxes to the coffers or to the revenue budgets of countries where they operate. So I'm pretty sure that you and I will probably be having this conversation in another year or two's time, <laughs> yeah. even if we're talking about a different location on a map. Well, thank you so much to Will Fitzgibbon uh, from uh, the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. He was joining us from Washington, D.C., and thank you for giving us your time. I know you woke up early because it's still in the morning there, Will. And also thanks to Oxfam Pan-Africa Program Director Peter Kamalingen joining us from Nairobi, Kenya. Thank you for also giving us your insights on this very interesting uh, topic and one that I think we'll uh, keep on looking at, especially uh, from an African context. So thank you as well, Peter.